Well, Logan, everyone, welcome to the Red and White Authority. Uh, this is uh, a new episode of the Red and White Authority, and I mean exactly new. And as always, the Red and White Authority is brought to you by Labatt Blue. Whether it's winter, spring, summer, or fall, it's always great to end your day with a nice, ice-cold, frothy Labatt Blue. It is the official Canadian beer of the Detroit Red Wings, but we do ask that you drink our premium beer responsibly. With that said, it is a new era here on the Red and White Authority because it gives me great pleasure. It was years in the making. Trust me, years <laughs> in the making. And we don't understand why it took years in the making, but... Joining me as co-host on the Red and White Authority is my colleague, my good friend. Uh, we have worked together now for a long time, have done a lot of things together, but not a podcast, and it is of Daniela Bruce. Daniela, hey, welcome. This is going to be fun. Thank you. I'm excited. We've worked so much together, though, that this doesn't feel that weird or new or anything. And like you said, this is a long time coming, so I'm excited to finally... <laughs> Beyond the Red and White Authority. Are we calling this episode one or are we calling this episode whatever you're on? Two, uh, well, I think oh, it's, whatever. I, I think according to uh, the boss man, Andrew Kristoff, this is uh, episode, I think, 202. But it's a new era. It's going to be a new year soon. And, you know, I, I, I'm ecstatic. I'm really happy about it because, as you know, we've talked about <laughs> this for years and we couldn't understand why it never happened. But it has happened and I'm really looking forward to it. And I think uh, the way the Red Wings have been playing lately, I, I, I think that uh, maybe it's a good launching pad for the uh, podcast to change a little bit. Oh, it definitely is. And there's so many exciting storylines within this team right now. Derek Lalone is going to join us for episode one slash episode 203, whatever we decide to call it. <laughs> yeah, but sure, the, the revamped episode, Derek Lalone's with us. And the interview was really good. He gave us some really good information, talked a lot about Patrick Kane and just his history as a coach. And he's great. So it, you have that coming up. But the biggest news, Art, Patrick Kane is yes. making his Red Wings debut against the Sharks. Wow. Patrick Kane is officially a Detroit Red Wing, like officially, officially. Well, you know, this almost harkens back to the days when the Red Wings were bringing in Chris Chelios and Wendell Clark yeah. and Brendan Shanahan. I mean, you know, there, there used to be a lot of uh, high-end, big-name hockey talent used to come to Detroit all the time. And uh, But I really think, and I guess if Chris Chelios can be a Red Wing and be a beloved Red Wing now, I guess Patrick Kane can probably make the transition too. Because let's be honest, great player, perhaps the greatest American-born player of all time when it's all said and done. Although, you know, being from Livonia, I'm partial to Mike Madonna. But, uh, but with that said, I really think that this is exciting. He's familiar with the area. And the thing, and Daniela, I think when you've talked to Patrick Kane, and we both have, uh, I think he's relieved, number one. It, yeah. This hip surgery is probably making him feel great and reborn again, but also... He's happy to be here. He wants to be a Red Wing. And he's had to talk to the media so much. I think he probably cannot wait to finally hit the ice against the Sharks. He's probably just itching to get back because he's answered the same questions probably a hundred times, thought about what his return is going to be like. And I'm sure there's nerves that come with that, right? You're one of the greatest American-born players of all time. And it's still in question a little bit. Everyone seems very confident. It's a low-risk, high-reward deal that Patrick Kane is here in Detroit. But we still don't know exactly what this is going to be. Derek Lalone did say he's probably going to play somewhere around the 13, 14-minute mark in his first few games. Right. I, I really think that it it's 
this is cutting edge surgery. And no, I, I don't even know if that's a pun, but no pun intended. Uh, if it is. Uh, oh my but, gosh, that, uh, that's not a good one. Though. Yeah, it's really. Not a good one. But, but, but truly, the track record for hockey players in hip resurfacing has been mixed at best. Andy Murray, the professional tennis player, has had it and has really come back and is still considered one of the top talents in the world, top 50 player. Played, you know, he plays five sets, he plays three sets, and, you know, it's held up. Uh, the same surgeon who performed Patrick Kane surgery did Andy Murray. Mm-hmm. So there, there is, and, and I really think that, that, that the way Kane has approached it, that some of the players that have had it before him, hockey players, were in maybe the twilight of their career. And even though he's 35 years old, uh, you know, he hasn't really been hurt a lot during his career. So I think he's really looking forward to this to not only work, but actually add years to his career. And what better way to do it than in the red and white? And we know that he had quite a few options when it came to what team he was going to officially join this season and try to make his return to the NHL, or should I say make his return to the NHL? He's doing it, but he had some options. I We've heard 10 to 12 teams were in that mix originally when conversation started in the summer, but he chose the Red Wings, and here is why. I just thought the fit was the fit was good, right? I mean, um, and that, that's not to say it wasn't good anywhere else, but, um, you know, I think with uh, a young team that's been playing well as of late, um, can kind of come in build my game uh, not too pressure not, not too much pressure right away on me with the success they're having this year and uh, um, you know I think uh, probably the, the Debrinkat factor had something to do with it too you know just being comfortable playing with him and not only on the ice but off the ice and uh, yeah excited to build that chemistry again we had some um, really good moments in Chicago so it'll be fun to play with him again. So Patrick Kane excited about what he sees from this young Red Wings team and the way that they've played so far this year. And I think everybody in Detroit is excited about the way that they've played so far this year. 31 points currently, second in the Atlantic Division. They're being pretty convincing right now, Art. They're coming out with big wins, and they've really been that way since the two losses in Sweden. Yeah, they certainly have. They, Sweden was a little bit of a wake-up call for them, for the team. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Derek Lalone kind of sees it that way. Uh, you know, and he'll he'll expound a bit uh, on that. But I think what happened was is that there were a lot of changes made in the offseason. Veteran players came in here, many of whom are accomplished. You know, they have a track record in the NHL. And I think what you're seeing here, and again, credit Steve, and I, and I do want to say that I think that having Steve Eiserman as your general manager, when he calls Patrick Kane, it carries weight. Mm-hmm. I mean, and when Steve is placing calls, all these players are aware of him. He's an immortal of this sport, and and they listen to him. And, and, and that is kind of Detroit's ace in the hole. But getting back to the team and why I think they're playing so well is that this is kind of being built just like the old Red Wings were with four lines. They can roll four lines. They can rotate 6D. And, you know, even though three goaltending system is not the system that is the norm in the NHL. You're riding the hot hand. If it's Villy, okay, great. If Villy is faltering, let's go to Reimer. Mm-hmm. Reimer, you know, actually Reimer's played pretty well the whole the whole season. And then, you know, and then let's give Alex Lyon a chance uh, when, you know, Willie, uh, or pardon me, Villy had to go back to, uh, uh, to, to America uh, for the birth of his daughter. And so, 
it, it's worked out. They're getting goaltending. They're rotating. They have rotating D. Sometimes Newsy likes to play 11 and 7, and they're rolling four lines. When you can roll four lines and all of them are capable of scoring, that adds a dimension to your hockey club that not many teams have. Well, look at the Vegas Golden Knights for an example. And, you know, they're winning Stanley Cups, right? They roll They roll four lines. They have a heavy line. They have multiple heavy lines, actually. They're just a, they're <laughs> they're just a big, big club. Big, big team over there. <laughs> but, but my point is you don't see that McDavid superstar on that team. And Jack Eichel is a, a superstar in the league, but nobody was scoring at a much higher rate. They basically were balanced. If you go and look at their roster, they were pretty balanced throughout the entire season. And I think that's the way the Red Wings are looking right now, not to the extent of Vegas. I don't want anyone to take that I'm saying we're going to be the next Vegas Golden Knights. But they won a cup without a runaway 50-goal scorer, right? Well, they, I don't think – I think they didn't have a 30-goal yeah, scorer. Exactly. They, they had like what, yeah. five or six guys in, the in like the 15 to yeah. 20 range or, or, or in there. You, know, you brought up a really good point, Danielle, and this is really, really essential to understand uh, when, when you're looking at the Red Wings. Because they have not had draft luck, mm-hmm. and they have drafted some really good players, Mo Sider, Lucas Raymond, uh, looks like Nate Danielson might turn out to be a gem – uh, you know, certainly Simon Evanson falling to them to six was huge. Uh, and, and, you know, Marco Casper, maybe a little bit longer to develop, but, you know, Marco is definitely a player too. I, I think that if you're not going to get the superstar talent, and how many real elite level players are there in the NHL? Patrick There's Kane. not that many. Patrick but, Kane. Well, hopefully. <laughs> we right? No, yeah, <laughs> I know. definitely. I know. But, but my point being is, and, and very quickly here, is that uh, – is that you're going to, if, if you can't have a superstar on your team, then you have to surround yourself with a deep lineup, being able to roll four lines and have multiple goal scorers, guys that are capable of scoring between 15 and 25. If you have enough of them, then like the Vegas Golden Knights, your team's going to be competitive and they can compete for the Stanley Cup. Hopefully we see the Red Wings winning Stanley Cups very, very soon. But we like the direction they're headed in. A lot of young talent mixed in with some veterans that have that experience. And the first quarter of the season has been very successful for Detroit. And Derek Lalone talks a lot about that and a lot more. The addition of Patrick Kane and even some Christmas stories from Derek Lalone as we approach the holiday season. That's coming up next on the Red and White Authority. Joining us now, everybody, the head coach of your Detroit Red Wings, Derek Lalone. Derek, this is an honorary podcast. So I'm just first question. How do you feel to be the first guest on the rebranded Red and White Authority? Important. That's very important. <laughs> yes. Well, you, you should feel that. You way. went through my people, your people, Beamer. We yeah, all have the same, like, people. Yep, yes. same people. Yes. Same Very people. Same yes. <laughs> people. Um, and you've seen what the Red and White Authority was like before I actually got behind the mic. Yes. I was just producer for Dan Watson's episode up in We did see yes. City. Yeah, that was... Uh I was, it was very casual. Nothing short of a fiasco. Yeah. <laughs> was, uh, it's a little uh, more put together now. Yes, I like it. Yeah. We're yeah. growing. We've grown. Well, you know, Dan Watson, he has been, he has been a guest at least eight or nine times. Yes. Uh, he, uh, you know, he's, yeah. First of all, he did a phenomenal job in Toledo. It's a it's a great environment. I know you were a coach Absolutely. there too. He's my assistant, Dan. Right, right, so exactly. Great, great relationship, and he um, well spoken. I can see why you've had him on so often. Yeah, well, he. he I don't know. Is why, he the only one that would say I don't yes? Know why that's he, what I'm thinking. I don't know right why he's there. been on seven more times than me, but <laughs> well, yes, at the same time. I mean, yes. You know, you guys are tough to get hold of, though. I mean, you're busy, though. Yes, I mean, yes, you're, you're, you're constantly right. doing everything. I I really wanted to ask you a, a question that. I've always I asked you this 
last year, and I have a habit of asking the same question over and over, and I apologize for that, but I love your story. I always have. 27 years, you've waited, and you're now here, and you're an NHL coach, but every time you speak, I always think to myself, teacher. He's speaking like a teacher, and I love that because you you get right to the heart of the matter. Mm -hmm. I think we all do. Danielle and I have talked about this, all the media people, that you say exactly what's on your mind, which is kind of refreshing today. Is that because you're an educator first? I think so. I, I, and again, you know, people talk about that path. It's different being a career coach, um, but I started as a teacher, and you still kind of have that foundation of being a teacher. And and I say all the time, you know, I, I almost feel like I've backed myself into um, – a lucky resume. It prepared me so well because of what my education was, uh, even my early coaching, just hitting every level, having to wear every hat. Uh, you name uh, the the skill set as a coach I've done it. Run the power play, run the penalty kill, run the D, recruiting, management. Uh, I was a GM basically in the USHL as a GM for the Toledo Walleye and the ECHL, just reality of it. Uh, so I, I, again, I think I'm very lucky. Is there huge value in long, extended playing careers at a high level? Absolutely. I see it every day with Alex Tange. I see it every day with Bob Bubner. I've surrounded myself with those guys. I saw that with Jeff Halperin uh, and Rob Zettler uh, when I was in Tampa. Uh, I think that's very important. But I also think I've kind of been fortunate in that I literally 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, since I stopped playing college hockey at 21 years old, all I've ever done is be a coach. So I just think there's been some value in that growth too. I'm interested in that. And this might be more of a question for guys like Bob Bugner and Alex Tangay, but do they ever tell you some of the experiences that they can learn from you? Because obviously they've got that playing experience, right? They played at that level. Yes. But what do they learn from you? Do they ever give you that feedback? 100%. Like, well, Bob's a little bit different in that he's got a ton of experience coaching now too. Right. But Alex Tangay is a unbelievable, brilliant hockey mind. Uh, he thinks it at a different level offensively. Uh, what he sees with special teams, what he sees with individual skill. Uh, I don't see that. And so I think we work together, but there's no doubt he's still green on the other side. Mm-hmm. And um, I think, you know, he sees how we operate. You know, one of the big things about being the head coach is you don't see a lot of it. You know, um, a lot of what I do is managing too. And I don't want the guy, I need the guys concentrating on their special teams and things. Uh, I need to manage personalities, um, how to communicate um, today alone. Um, you know, we're on a high. I mean, it, we're 24 games in. We're second in the division. I don't think anyone would have ever visioned us like this, but I'm still having hard meetings. Why am I not playing enough? What's going to happen now, this and that? I mean, we had three hard meetings today. and Just little things like that. I think being a career coach, understand the big picture a little more. I think that's probably what Alex Tangay is learning from. When you talk about the brilliant mind of Alex Tangay, you know, again, it's, it's totally cliche-ish that, great players, and certainly Alex was one of them, have a difficult time transitioning into a coaching job because they cannot comprehend why you don't get it, why you're not almost as good as they are. Is that 
where you come in and let yeah, it could be some of that. I, I, I think it's a little bit of the individual too. Some guys have transitions like that into coaching and they can't get past that. Alex, Alex will be a head coach in the National Hockey League sooner than later because he does have a good feel and the ability to see through some of that where some people in the past simply have not. Uh, so I think, I think it's more individual. Of course, uh, I think he could lean on me on the teaching, even running meetings, mm -hmm. uh, the experience of being in front of a guy. I laugh all the time. One of my first jobs at Fair State, and I was at Denver at the time. I, it was one of my first meetings at Denver. I was nervous to speak in front of uh, Paul Stastny. Oh, wow. Now I'm like uh, I, a player. I make him look me in the eyes before I even start the meeting. <laughs> and I'm, you know, it's just it's you, there's there's reality of growth of just being comfortable in those situations. I think it's just something that just comes with time. You mentioned the success of your team this year so far, 24 games in, 14-7-3, second in the Atlantic. And we're talking to you right now just after the Buffalo game, the win in Buffalo, 4-3, 5-3 final score with the empty netter. Sitting in that second spot, you mentioned maybe that's not what everybody expected out of this team. But what right now, what attributes of your team make you think that's where they deserve to be? And then what do you think needs to be a little bit better to sustain uh, that type well, of position? I think, well, I, I, I do think the depth has gotten us there. Um, I, again, I mean, you, you go through some nights. Would I love some of the talent I had in Tampa mm -hmm. where you could play an okay team game? And I don't mind mentioning names because it's, it's a compliment to them. We'd play an average team game, but Kucherov would make a play. Stamkos would score a goal. Vassi would have 35, 40 saves. Well, we're not built like that. So I just think the consistency, consistency has to come from a complete team game. I mean, you even saw it when we were in Europe, those two losses. We were probably really good. Maybe the better team of the six peers, maybe 80% of it. But we couldn't get over the finish line, um, and we have to be complete within our game. What gives me optimism is our depth. Uh, what gives me optimism um, is this this group has some battle and fight in them. You know, a couple examples. You guys recall we went to Boston beginning of the year. We weren't very competitive. We only lost three two, but we we got we got whooped um, and never felt comfortable all night. They were the much better team. We go back into that building again the next time, and the guys took some pride in it, and we were the better team. We win. We played at the New York Rangers before going to Europe. Similar situation. We got down 5 nothing. We got whooped. We were outclassed. We were better. And our guys had the edge about them to go into that building next time, and we were up with a third-period lead. The Buffalo Sabres, it's a team that gave us fits last year. We didn't defend well against them. Were we perfect the other night? No, but we went in there with an attitude and got up 4 nothing. So um, are, are we the second best team in the Atlantic uh, are we I don't know what we're probably on pace for 105 six points are we all that absolutely not uh, we'll have some regression the league is too good uh, there's going to be moments we're gonna have to fight through some losing streaks things don't go our way but the, the we have a little mentality a little attitude to us where I do think when it's all said and done through all the ups and downs we will be battling for a playoff spot there's kind of a balance, I think, when I look at this year's team, and maybe it's some of the acquisitions that Steve made in the offseason. Very rarely, and it, maybe this is when you are rebuilding, you're, you're trying to acclimate young talent into the, uh, uh, into the roster, that this team does not seem to get 
rattled or they learn from their mistakes. Is that because this is more of a veteran team than maybe we're used to seeing the last couple of years here in Detroit because they were trying to, as I said, acclimate some young, younger players into the lineup? Yeah, I believe so. And I think a little bit is that depth. Um, again, is it frustrating that we have not won the lottery uh, I had a stat. Someone told me we had the worst five-year span. Oh, no, without question. Yeah, and then we were on pace on the uh, COVID year to have the worst season in a, in ever. And for us not to be in the top three ever, that's um, a curse. It's a very unfortunate. But at the same time, it's allowed us to um, maybe use cap a little bit differently. Um, you know, maybe some of those players, other teams in their division are dealing with your 11, 12, 13, 14 million dollar player. We don't have that and it shows up some nights, uh, but at the same time, it's allowed us to add some depth. We had some room to add player A, player B, player C, and Steve's used it perfectly um, right. to be competitive while still developing our younger guys. So. Uh, I think there's something to that. I think there is uh, some veteran presence. But what I think Steve's done, obviously, when you're going into free agency, you're never going to get perfect players. It's the reality. You still have to build within. I think Steve understands that. And if we're ever going to get to where we want to be consistently, it will still have to be from within. But he's gotten the right free agent. These guys have come to us with, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it a chip on their shoulder. They know we're trying to build something, and they want to be part of it. And I think that's helped that room be a little more competitive and those guys have a voice in the room. I just have to say, I said this on Twitter last night too, just I'm so thankful Mo Sider is a Red Wing. I know that yes. he, he's a number six overall pick and we may have never won the lottery, but getting him at six overall, you look back on it. And I remember the reaction of the fans, like who, who is that? Cause you know, you go over your draft board. Yes. We're watching it. We're like, we didn't even have that name on our radar at all. He's going to claim he did. I can see Art <laughs> twitching in the corner. He's going to claim he had Mo on his radar. But just the reaction and the player that he's become, it's pretty incredible. Well, you, you have to hit. And yeah. I think, and I've, I have full confidence, even experiencing Steve's teams in Tampa. Um, I Again, it's so easy to criticize. How It's so impossible to be a manager. Yeah. Um, everything you have to deal with, to project a draft of 18-year-olds, our hockey's backwards, it's crazy. But there is a science to it, I guess. Uh, and we haven't hit one, two, three, but if you get six, you get eight, you have to hit. Um, I, Mace, uh, Lucas Raymond is t- yeah. turning into four. at four. Um, you know, you know. Someday you do these redrafts. Uh, Simon Evanson, uh, Nate Danielson. I'm really high on Marcos. A little bit different. Might take a little bit of time, but they've done a great job. Um, not having one, two, and three, uh, and and giving us a chance. Uh, so hopefully that trend continues. Let's get into Patrick Kane. Because as we sit right now, he has not made his Red Wings debut yet. I want you to unlock the fan in you, which I know is not not hard for you because you're still a hockey fan at heart, right? When did you become involved in the Patrick Kane conversations with Steve? And what was your reaction to even knowing that it was in the realm of possibility to bring a player? Yeah, well, we Steve and I actually talked about it in free agency July 1. Uh, And at the time, Patrick wasn't... um, physically ready, wasn't ready mm-hmm. to make a decision. Obviously, he knew th- what he was going to go through uh, with his hip surgery. And at the time, and no disrespect, I think we had heard from the advisor that I think he was more interested in those immediate, you know, one percenter teams, those right. cup favorites. 
Um, and then I think as the season went on, it grew a little bit. Steve had asked me a couple times if uh, he felt uh, Patrick could be a fit and what we're trying to do here. And I was like, absolutely. And he did. He probably fits um, nicely, uh, ideally, in a certain role. We'd probably offer him uh, maybe a little more top six potential opportunity, maybe to see uh, when a warmer two power plays, what his skill set is. And I think when it became a real reality is when now they were ready uh, to look into teams. And, uh, and it's Patrick Kane, and he has that right with his advisor. Uh, he allowed us to be one of those 10 to 12 teams. And Steve, uh, it was in Europe, and just like anyone else, we were going to have a Zoom with him. And Steve's like, you have a opportunity to talk to him? And it was like 10 p.m. in Europe, uh, that one of those nights, I think it was in between or before the first game. I can't remember what night it was. Um, and we just we had approach where we were just going to be simple. We're going to be honest, no sales pitch. Uh, but I think Patrick made the conversation comfortable. Um, he asked about uh, our structure. What are you doing in the neutral zone? I see our one one three team. It looks really good. Uh, what are you doing in your D zone? Uh, let alone the power play. He wanted to know like that. I just think it was a very comfortable conversation for a coach in that he was already knowledgeable uh, of where we were. And no matter what we were going to say and whatever sales pitch we were going to do, he was going to go back and talk to Alex. He was going to go back to talk to Dylan. Those are the guys that truly live in the trenches. So uh, I don't think it was as dramatic as a process as people think think like steve flying in on the private jet to go watch him practice like that we literally had a 45 minute conversation uh we were very honest and upfront. he asked all the right questions uh, it was a very good conversation and it put us in a good spot with it and ultimately ended up being uh his spot he chose why am i picturing like a college recruit commit like all the coaches <laughs> are on his the Zoom and he's got Zat. like his hats yes. there yes. and he's telling you he puts it on to let you know which team he chooses uh, i give patrick credit he was a mature professional <laughs> adult on that um you know i don't i don't i don't like telling stories that other people have told me within the trenches but there's one story that just really speaks volumes to me. I can't get out of my mind. And even when Steve was asking about Patrick Kane, um, Jeff Blaschel, who obviously right. a unique situation is a good friend of mine. He coached the world championship team, which Patrick was on. And uh, they're over there for six, eight weeks. And Patrick, he said, Patrick didn't take one sip of alcohol in that time, uh, which in that guys go there because it's a family situation. You can bring your wife, you can bring your girlfriend, you can hang out. There's a lot of downtime in that situation. And then they won the bronze medal there. And for Patrick Kane's hardware, <laughs> a world championship bronze medal certainly isn't at the top of the gazillion things he has in his trophy case. And they had the end of the tournament party and Patrick was the only one that wore his bronze medal. And it's just, just, it spoke volumes to me of just what he's about. He's in the prime of his career uh, on his way to a Hall of Fame. And that's how he approached the World Championship. And I've experienced that. Like we, we had trouble getting guys to come over. Um, yeah, I get it, the, what's at stake. And he goes over there and acts like that. I just, I couldn't get that out of my mind. And I was extremely open minded in this whole process. And uh, in that process, that person I had envisioned seemed like who we were getting in Patrick. Hip resurfacing is relatively new in the NHL. Uh, the track record for NHL players has not been good of coming back. I love tennis, so Andy Murray is phenomenal, what he's been able to do with that. 
how do you, from your perspective, you've talked to him, you've told him how maybe you think you're going to start using him. He says he doesn't want anything given to him. He wants to earn it. How closely do you have to monitor him? Is this a little bit different situation because of the the injury that he's coming off of? Yes. We're going to be smart with how we handle it. Even his first game, uh, I've kind of walked him through what his first game would look like. You know, we'd probably shoot for that 13 to 14 minute mark, depending on how he feels, maybe a little more, maybe a little less. Um, We'll put him in position to try to succeed, and that means putting him with with good players that we think could complement him. Uh, Even in his first week, we have a back-to-back I don't plan on using you on the back-to-back. I just wanted to put his mind at ease um, on how we'd use it. Um, as great of a player he is, you can tell he's still anxious himself. Right. And, and as good as his body feels to see how this goes. So I think there is some reality to being patient with it, managing it correctly, and kind of seeing how it plays out. You broke up the top line of Debrinket, Larkin, and Raymond probably a week or two before the Patrick Kane news dropped. Was there any sort of, did you think maybe Patrick Kane, there was nothing. That was our performance post Europe. And what we felt we had to do, and obviously in hindsight, it's work. We're six and one cents. It had more to do with putting Joe Villano and Russ up in our top six to give them a little more skating, a little more forecheck, a little more identity. And it, it's been unbelievable. I give those guys a ton of credit. You never know. I mean, Christian Fisher hasn't played center in the National Hockey League in a long time. And for it to work within those other lines, Christian had to play center and he was excellent. And it's not, it, we'll have many changes, but it's, I don't know how sustainable it is, but what we were looking for with those line changes gave us as a group, a pop and a spark. Uh, it had nothing to do with that. It was literally trying to win the next game after you know the disappointing uh, losses in Europe. Yeah, I asked you the other night that it took a trip to Sweden maybe to be a wake-up call, and, and I based that question on Dylan telling everybody in the room as everyone's getting dressed, hey, we, okay, fellas or boys, whatever, we have to figure out what kind of hockey team we want to be. And it seemed to really resonate in there. And it has been different. Um, when your leader speaks, and I'm sure, you know, they, they don't give speeches all the time. You have to really prove it out on the ice. But how important is that for him to say simply, look, it's not good enough. We got to figure out what we want to be because we, we could go either way right now. Is that something that, and how aware that he says that, or do you know he's going to say that? 100%. I've seen it. I've been fortunate enough, being a career coach, of being around a lot of winning. Um, I still think I'm where I am in my career. It's not the winning I've done. It's the process of winning that has growing me. That is, uh, is that, was that proper grammar? Helped me grow. That has helped me grow. <laughs> My daughter would roll her eyes right now the way I beat up the English language You're getting language so much better, times. though. You yes. warned us when you got here. I make up words within yeah. the English language. And my, and my 12-year-old daughter is the one that points out all the time. <laughs> uh, my point with it is it ultimately has to come from the room. And mm-hmm. we, we spend 24 hours. I'm telling you, we spend as much time with our leadership, building our leadership, trying to communicate um, what needs to come out of the room within our leadership, then we do X's and O's. And ultimately, when you do start to win, it, it always comes from the room. 
Um, and, uh, and that's Dylan. He's grown immensely in the last two years I've been with him. Uh, those added pieces of Ben Chirac coming in, being part of that leadership core, wearing a letter, uh, Angel Cop mm-hmm. wearing a letter, David Perron wearing a letter. Uh, I think it helped Dylan grow, but he had support around him. And I'm not surprised uh, the way we talk when it now becomes, when it comes from him or comes from that room, that's when it's its most powerful. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably what you saw. Derek, last thing for you, lighthearted. Christmas is coming up. Holiday season is coming up. And you're an NHL coach, so you don't get much time to enjoy it. Yes. What does your holiday schedule look like? What do you got planned? Well, we love the Midwest. My wife's entire family's from Cleveland. So we will have three days, and I've loved it. Um, you know, having family around, grandma and grandpa around, the kids, they love it. We will probably trade in a little sunshine. <laughs> Just a little. <laughs> for, for that. So I love the Christmas. We'll get our three days. Uh, we'll have family in, uh, and we'll use literally all three of those days. It'll be 24 7 with the family. Um, we have a traditional, uh, street hockey game with the family that we go out in our driveway. They know it's coming. It's going to look a little different than it has of the last few years in Tampa <laughs> with our street hockey game. But, uh, yeah, I, I, just, I cherish those days. Our season is so intense. We don't get time around holidays. Those are three very important days for me and my family. When you're hosting, do you have either like a killer punch or a dish or something that you make and that everyone is looking forward. The tradition in our family, which is hilarious, is pecan pie. Oh, really? I absolutely love pecan pie, and we've had a tradition with it where either pecans weren't available at the time, or pecan, Abby would laugh at me whenever right. I say the word. Pecan, yeah. Either the, uh, the pecans weren't available at the time, so no pecan pie. We tried to make one in Denver. We blew it up because of the elevation. <laughs> and so it's always a last second. Now everyone's in on it. Will we get a pecan pie or not? And we're about 50-50 through it. And it's always, and, and then when they do get one for me or they find one, it's always a huge ordeal. So our tradition is whether the pecan pie will show up or not. And we have a ton of fun with it with the family. But you never make it or who makes no, it? No. So my mom used to make okay. it. Uh, so, and then Melissa has, has, has taken it over now, but it's just hilarious how we went through a three year stretch. We couldn't get it for two years because there was a pecan shortage in Colorado. And then we finally had one and we absolutely, the, we blew it up because of the That's elevation hilarious. and it, it came, good. it came out as a soup. <laughs> And I still ate it. I was say, did it taste okay? It was the same. It's it's sugar and like it's so bad, but it came out as a soup uh, for Christmas. So it'll be the same. Now my wife, my family's so awesome about it. They're always it's a big ordeal. Like we can't find it, or this place has it, or is it, yeah. So the pecan pie will be the the, the Christmas tradition. I love that. We, we, we'd like to have a piece if yeah, it, I was I was say, you have any extra. That has to come And I'm the, the only building. one that eats it. Everyone, I don't, the family doesn't even love it. So we get I this giant pie. pie so and I, and I, then I feel guilty because it's always a wrestling match. It's, it may be that. I don't, <laughs> the analytics on a pecan it cannot be good. So I have one piece and we're usually tossing it out. So I will bring some in for you guys for no sure. No analytics People. at the yeah. Christmas dinner no, table. No, there okay. never <laughs> is. Never is. All right, Newsy, thank you so much for being our first guest on the revamped Red love and White it. Authority. Yeah, love it. It, I, branding, kick, branding to its greatest yes. right here. Yeah, really appreciate it. Always enjoy talking yeah. to you. Thank you. Thanks, Thank guys. You.
Welcome back, everybody, to the Red and White Authority, brought to you by Labatt Blue. Daniela Bruce joined with Art Regner. You just heard us talking to Derek Lalone, the head coach of the Detroit Red Wings, which we are always so excited to talk with Newsy. He tells some great stories, number one. I love that you ask him about his really long coaching career and the journey to the NHL because it's always so fascinating. But the biggest debate he just sparked, pecan or pecan? pecan? I've always said pecan. But I think like Midwesterners love those hard A's sometimes. Pecan. Like pecan. Pecan. That could be. That, yeah. You know, that's probably pecan more nasally. Uh, pecan. Midwestern pecan or pecan. I, I Pecan. Lydia, our producer. L- Lydia, wait, like, just wait. We're going to get Lydia, the producer, involved. That's right. We're going to have to do <laughs> We're going to have to open up a Twitter or, a, pardon me, an X poll or whatever it's called now. The, all the big. Pecan or pecan. And all the biggest podcasts, right? They always have a producer mic. So we need to get another mic so Lydia can just chime in whenever I, she I'm wants. I'm all for that, too. Let's I do it. I love that. Okay, yes. But pecan, pecan. We pecan, say a lot. Pecan, pecan. I always it's said probably pecan. pecan. It's probably pecan think so i think so but i will still say pecan if you want me to i don't know well what did derek say he started with pecan but then he said his 12 year old daughter corrects him it's pecan because he has a tendency to make up words (laughs) well he does but he's gotten a lot better with that honestly he is yeah he's gotten a lot better with that but perhaps the most interesting thing he said there which there were a lot of interesting things so it's hard to pick one but that story about patrick kane going to world's and the fact that a player like him who's decorated in every term of the word when it comes to awards in the NHL, Stanley Cups, all kinds of things, right, would wear his bronze medal and was the only player that wore his bronze medal to the after party. I think that just says a lot about his character. He's proud, number one, to be an American. And he understands the value of things like that and, and how big of an accomplishment that actually is. But in the moment, you feel like third place, but you want a medal. That's a medal. Certainly, and I also think it goes to leadership. Yes, that he is true. a leader, and I and I I think that he knows he's Patrick Kane, and he knows that this is he is, as we keep saying, one of the greatest American players of all time. Could be the number one, but by him wearing that medal. It is not only a symbol of his leadership, but it's also a symbol of what he believes being an American is all about. He's proud to be an American. He's proud that they won that medal, whether it's a bronze, gold, or silver, and that he wants everyone to know, you know, that this accomplishment, it's a team accomplishment. And I think he really wanted the players that he played with to know and appreciate it because as you get older in life, Daniela, and you will experience this someday. <laughs> big 3-0 coming uh, up. Yeah. Ooh, ooh. Uh, 3-0. Wow. <laughs> I, I've got clothes older than 3-0. Uh, but uh, uh, but I, I think what you do is you appreciate things more right. because it's not that he's running out of time life cycle wise, but career wise he is. You you know it. You're getting into the third and fourth quarters of your career. You begin to appreciate everything that you've accomplished and what's ahead of you. And when you do win a, a medal for your country, it has impact. You mentioned leadership, and this is an interesting aspect of what Patrick Kane is going to bring to the Red Wings this year, because obviously Dylan Larkin has really molded himself into a great leader, a great captain, and he has embraced that role spectacularly. I think he's doing great. But you bring in a guy like Patrick Kane, who has the experience leading at multiple different levels, that can only be a good thing, right? And help Dylan Larkin really learn 
how to lead a team. Well, exactly, because he's backed it up. Patrick Kane has backed it mm-hmm. up with his performance on ice. He is a money player. He has scored many, many big goals. I mean, though, I, I don't know if it was Chicago's first cup they won, but I remember that they didn't even call it a goal on the ice. You know, it was yeah. a game-clinching mm-hmm. goal, and he's celebrating. He, <laughs> you know, he was like the only one, and everyone's looking at him. What, did he go nuts here? And, you know, but, but that's who he is. I mean, he is a marksman. He is a wonderful hockey player, uh, and... When I think Patrick Kane, I think two things. I think money player. I think clutch player. He always has been that way. And if he can add that dimension to the Red Wings, and remember, you know, I don't want, you know, no one's brought up D-Boss at all, but you know that the inner D-Boss and Dylan Larkin is going to be freaking out that Kaner is on his team. I would imagine. I talked to Joe Valeno a little bit when this was coming down, that Patrick Kane was going to be a Red Wing, and he was like, no, I've never met him. I'm excited to meet him. That's the guy you always wanted to be when you played oh, Chell. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. Because he's a money player. I, exactly. he, he, he's a big time player. Yeah. The video game. Billy Husso said the same thing. He goes, yeah, I just think back to the video game days when I played all the time. You wanted to be Patrick Kane. You wanted to be the Chicago Blackhawks. And now he's going to be their teammate. That's, yeah. a, that's a pretty cool moment. Yeah, I would, I would love to see a, a double bobblehead because bobbleheads oh, are boy. doing everything now. The Sully thing with the Wallman. The gritty. You have to know the gritty. The gritty. Yeah, the, Come yeah, on. the gritty. Yeah, the you gritty. You can't show your age that, that much. Way, I mean, you know, I mean, it's cold. You know, the, Jake can do whatever he wants. But what I'm thinking <laughs> is, is that... Uh, is I would love to see a D-Boss Kane bobblehead combined, but I'm not sure what it would be. But you can't leave Debrinket out of that, right? Like a Debrinket Kane bobblehead uh, might be even better. Uh, I don't know, though. No, D-Boss is like... Mm. D-Boss, D- D- the Caner, I mean, that thing is classic. I mean, it went viral. Are we yeah. opening another poll right now? Yeah, which, maybe. Which bobblehead yeah. would you hey, rather well, see? Debrinket <laughs> deserves his own bobblehead for what he's done by himself. Let, let his first one be a solo bobblehead. That's true. He, he doesn't have a solo Red Wings Yeah, I, I'm sure yet. Patrick Kane probably, in Chicago, they probably have like 18 Patrick Kane yeah. variation bobbleheads. But, yeah, one with the it, cup, one yeah. just skating, <laughs> one in each different jersey. Yeah, they yeah, probably yeah. do. You're right. One getting out of his car, waving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, all kinds of stuff. But really, I mean, I just think that it, I think it's wonderful, and I think his influence in the room he carries weight. You know, I talked about Eiserman when mm-hmm. Eiserman makes a phone call. Patrick Kane is is reaching that rarefied air. Yeah, I think he is too, and I'm excited to see him in that winged wheel. I know. It might still be a little odd, but I'm really excited to see him in the winged wheel. If Chelios can pull it off, anybody can. He was the most hated man in Detroit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Maybe Art Regner's up there. I went to an NHL awards ceremony one time. (laughs) Kidding. And Chelios had won the Norris Trophy, and they asked him, and Colorado had won the Stanley Cup, and they asked him, uh, well, how do you feel about Colorado winning the Stanley Cup? And this is Chris Chelios' words. And then when he came to Detroit, I used to play this bite all the time. He would say, I don't care. He goes, as long as it isn't Detroit. As long as Detroit's not winning <laughs> the Stanley Cup, I don't care. As long as it's not Detroit. <laughs> you know. And then he comes and he plays more games longer as a Red Wing than he was a Blackhawk, and he is beloved in this town now. But uh, I just think that uh, you know Kane can definitely make the transition. Oh, he's going to. I'm no doubt about it in my mind. But I do want to thank you for letting me officially join the Red and White Authority. Well, Art. you know... As I've said, we've tried to do this for a while, and I'm ecstatic. I think it's going to be fun. I, I give mean, Lydia the credit for making it happen. Well, producer thank you, Lydia. Thank you, Lydia. <laughs> if she had a uh, if she had a mic on, you know, we could we we could actually have her say, Eventually. "Well, you're welcome." This podcast is growing and growing and growing, and the next step. 
a Lydia mic. A there Lydia we go, mic. Lydia mic. There Lydia, we go. And that's yeah. what we're calling that's it. That's a new term. <laughs> and let's go to the Lydia mic. <laughs> All right, Art, wrap this thing up for us. All right, that'll do it for this edition of the Red and White Authority. And uh, we uh, should be back, and we're going to try. And, you know, it's holiday time now, too, so uh, on a weekly basis. But we'll be back very, very soon. And as always, thank you uh, for listening. And, uh, Daniela, again, it's great to have you. I'm excited to be here. <laughs>